Oh God, we hail the truth that the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. We have been much in worship this morning. Swept us up to your throne room in song and in prayer. And now, Holy God, through Holy Scripture, engage our minds, compel us to follow after you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I was born in Tokyo, as most of you know, and grew up in Japan for 14 years. And so earthquakes are no big deal. We had them all the time. I remember many a night as a kid, middle of the night, feeling that bed begin to shake and roll and hearing the the creaking of the house. Back Karen and I went to, uh, flew over to Tokyo just a few falls ago to do an evangelistic series in the church right beside the hospital where I was born. And so they put us in this little eight, eight floor apartment house in downtown Tokyo. And one morning I was going over my notes to get ready for the evening presentation when I heard a voice around the corner, Hey Dwight, is that what I think it is? And I paused and felt and Eight floors up, just back and forth. They're used to earthquakes. They build the buildings so that they can handle that kind of rolling. Why Jesus chose to make earthquakes a significant indicator of His soon return perplexes many people. I mean, you think about it. We've had earthquakes on this planet almost from the beginning, haven't we? And yet, as I have brooded over that, it finally has occurred to me, wait a minute, wait a minute. The earthquake is the one natural disaster over which we have no advance warning. Isn't that right? I mean, a hurricane, you can track a hurricane on your little uh, laptop and there's the weather channel. You got it. Tornadoes, almost the same way, cyclones, typhoons. But an earthquake, you, don't, you never know the earthquake until the ground moves beneath your feet. And in the face of an earthquake, we experience unbridled power. And life forever can change in that timbler. I can't imagine what it would have been like to be just a month and a half ago in Port-au-Prince, Haiti. 7.0 magnitude earthquake. They are now estimating that the death toll is going to rise to 300,000 men, women, and children. You can't comprehend that. And then just last Sabbath, in Chile, the massive 8.8 magnitude timbler. Three tsunamis in its wake. I can't, I can't wrap my mind around it. That earthquake, by the way, in Chile was so powerful. Did you hear this? It knocked the earth off its, off its axis by three inches and shortened the day by 1.26 milliseconds. I wondered why I felt so tired this week. I lost that time. I just worn out. Where'd that second go? I miss it already. The point is, ladies and gentlemen, 
we've had two powerful reminders in our own home hemisphere with our neighbors to the south that just like that, life forever can change. I mean, I had, I had Heidi Straw standing right... You remember this? Just, just uh, five weeks ago, Heidi Straw standing here from the Adventist Development and Relief Agency and I'm saying, Heidi... She's a grad from Andrews University, a lawyer, and she's working in development. I said, hey, Heidi, how, how, what, what, how can we help in Haiti? We ought to bring her right back say, Heidi, what can we do now for Chile? Who knows? You know, it's not a big deal for us because we don't have earthquakes here in the Midwest. But one of these days, mark my words, I'm not a prophet or the son of a prophet, but one of these days, this house is going to shake. And then we'll know. We'll know the panic of living on the edge. Jesus chose earthquakes to be a flagging indicator. I'm coming back and life will change just like that. So, where should we turn for our ultimate security? How about to this little mini-series that we're wrapping up today, huh? How's it go? Primer for the next generation. Getting back to basics. Christianity 101. Prayer 101. And today, part three, the last wrap on this mini-series... Relationships 101. Because in a world that is moving beneath our feet, we've got to know what is secure. We have to know the foundation. And if we don't know the basics, we don't have the perimeter down straight. We don't have anything straight for the world that cruises, that spins to its final showdown. And so our theme text has been Matthew. The most provocative and profound invitation Jesus ever speaks. Matthew chapter 11, 28 through, through 30. I'll bet you you can say these words without even looking it up in your Bible, without even reading it off the screen. We'll put it on the screen for those of you that are not acquainted with Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 through 30. I learned it as a kid in the old King James Version, so I'm probably going to default to that. It'll be NIV on the screen. Let's say it out loud together, huh? Try not to look at the screen. You remember this invitation of Jesus? Come unto me, all ye who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and gentle in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. See, we kept it off the screen so you wouldn't have to see it at all. It's not on the screen, guys. Ah. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Come to me. Come. Come to me. We're not going to go to that text. That's been our theme for the last two parts in this mini-series. But today we go to a provocative story. Some of you know the story well. Others have never heard the story before. But today, the story to unlock relationship, relationship 101. So let's go to the story. Can you do two things at once? Everybody on this platform can multitask. I already know they can do it. Can you do it? Two things. Look up Luke 10 for the story and get your study guide out at the same time. We're going to multitask together. Find Luke 10. Get your study guide. Ushers, thanks for jumping up, making sure everybody here gets a study guide. Hold your hand up if you didn't get a study guide. We have one for you. This list in this study guide will be almost as practical as the one you got last week. You didn't get last week's. Go to our website. In fact, I want to welcome those of you who are watching on television. Let me give you our website as well. You can go and find the same study guide. I'll put it on the screen for you right now. There you see it. www.pmchurch.tv www.pmchurch.tv You're looking for the series Primer for the Next Generation. you got study guides up here. You go. Primer for the Next Generation. Christianity 101, Prayer 101. You're looking for Part 3, Relationships 101. 
When you, when you find that, it'll say study guide. You click on you have the same study guide. All right, so all the way up in the balcony, those of you in overflow, ask for the study guide and let's go together. All right, let's just fill it out. So we get, we get the template based on Matthew 11. Would you fill it out, please? Christianity 101. Why? Why that basic? Because Jesus is the heart and soul of all of life. Jesus is the heart and soul of all of life. Write that down. Everything, everything returns to the truth about Jesus. Prayer 101, last week, because prayer is the heart and soul of life with Jesus. You want, you, you want Jesus to be your heart and soul. Prayer is the access to an eternal friendship. Christianity 101, Prayer 101, and today Relationships 101, because relationship is the heart and soul of an intimacy with God. Intimacy. Wow. You serious? I'm serious. Take a look. Take, take a look at this story. Once upon a time, there was a brother and two sisters. I grew up in a home with one, brother, one kid brother and one kid sister. I got the best of both worlds. Because brothers are wonderful companions to have and sisters are precious friends. My little sis called me yesterday at the end of the day, just wanted to call and say hi and we chatted for a while. Those of you that have one, either one, know how blessed you are. So once upon a time, there was a brother and two sisters in a very happy home. But as tragedy struck, that little sister was sexually abused by an uncle not very far away from home. And the psychologists tell us now, when a child tries to cope with repressing the awful memory of that shame, oftentimes, as that child grows, it's expressed in aberrant sexual behavior. And so it happens with this little girl, abused by her uncle. She eventually flees her home, leaves her brother and sister behind, flees to a, to a village where nobody will know her, and she turns to prostitution. She's been set on the road of sex early, and now she lives it out. But one day she meets a man whose dark eyes peer into her soul, reading the shame that she has tried to hide from an entire society. Those dark eyes read that shame, and her heart cannot believe it. Reading the shame, it is as if he loves her with a divine love. And so she cries to him. Get this, she comes back to him seven times. Seven times. Through her tears, she overhears this man pleading with his Father in heaven to set this broken heart free. Some of you know the meaning of the brokenness that this girl experienced. And you're wondering, will there ever come healing to your life? I've got some good news for you. There is someone in this universe, the same man, who can take the shards of that broken heart and piece them back together in a mosaic that will be stunning in its glory. He did it for her seven times. And the seventh time took. And the little grown-up, broken-hearted girl came home to discover that her older brother and her older sister both were also friends with the same Jesus. So you can understand it's a high day. It's a high day in their home when the Word comes up, the dusty pathway that Jesus is coming for dinner. Open your Bible with me to that wonderful story. The Gospel of St. Luke, chapter 10. 
The Gospel of Luke. Find it. You didn't, you didn't bring a Bible, grab the pew Bible in front of you? Let me give you the page number, page 699 in your pew Bible. What a story. Wow, here it is, the very last paragraph of Luke chapter 10. I'll be in the New International Version. We'll put that on the screen. The, the pew Bible is a New King James. tracks pretty closely. You'll be blessed. Verse 38, as Jesus and His disciples were on their way, they came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to Him. You know what? Until I went to Jerusalem and walked the dusty pathways of, of, of Palestine, I had no clue. I mean, when you, when, you, when you read these stories, you're thinking of these massive distances. But it turns out the haunts where Jesus loved to go, the proximity is so close and tight. Little Bethany is on the crest of the Mount of Olives that overlooks the holy city Jerusalem. It's all right there. They're coming up the dusty road. And Martha, Luke says, Martha invites them into her home. That's a clue right there. Martha must be the eldest. I mean, only the, only the oldest in every family claims the house as his or her own. And that's Martha. So that would mean Martha, Lazarus, and then baby Mary. Where's mom and dad? We don't know. Parents could be dead. Parents could be under the care of Martha. It's her home. And when they enter the house... Verse 39, Dr. Luke wants us to know, Martha had a sister called Mary. And as soon as Jesus and the disciples had taken their place in that little tiny living room, Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what He said. Isn't that something? That is an intentional inclusion into this story to remind us that her posture not only may, may have been a physical posture where she actually did seat, sit rather at the feet of the Lord Jesus, but that very phrase is a cue that Mary has embraced the status of a disciple of this rabbi. For the disciples are always pictured as sitting at the feet of the Master. Luke slips in Mary also sitting at the feet so that every woman who reads this story from henceforth will know that when Jesus calls you as a young woman to follow Him, He's calling you to the same status, He's calling you to the same ministry as any male disciple sitting at the feet of Jesus. There's no differentiation by gender. You're called when you sit at the feet of the rabbi. Luke wants us to make sure we catch that. Verse 40, verse 40 rather. Verse 40, but Martha, okay, so there's Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus, but Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made and she came to Jesus and she asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Oh boy. You know what? Martha was a typical Martha. We use her name now, don't we? We use her name to describe, by nickname, a, a woman who is the hostess with the mostess. And we got them. Hallelujah. And the whole community knows the spiritual gift of hospitality that a Martha possesses. Scurrying around the kitchen, emerging every now and then from that delectable sight of controlled chaos and mouth-watering concoctions that all the guests are eager to imbibe. Oh, thank God for Martha's. And at the risk of singling one woman out in our midst today, and I 
swept over the audience and saw her, singling her out as the hostess with the mostess. I would like to cite the warm hospitality of Ellie Economou, who for years has been a professor on this campus and even in her retirement has thrown the doors to her little home right here on University Boulevard to, I suppose, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds with such warmth and such grace. Nowhere in this story is Martha condemned for her gift of hospitality. You won't hear from Jesus. He's about to partake. He knows which side of his bread is buttered. No. But there's Martha. God bless her. Was so dignified and popular a guest as Jesus, she is frantically in overdrive to get this dinner ready and to, for it to go without a single hitch. But where is good help when you need it? And she's back there all alone. And finally, she comes out of that kitchen steaming. And I mean literally steaming. And her red hands are pulling at a towel trying to dry her fingers. And she walks straight into that conversation. And in, with Jesus in mid-sentence interrupts with a loud, <clears throat> Silence. And there is the most unsubtle chiding. Lord, you obviously don't care that my little sister is failing her womanly duties and helping me in the kitchen now, do you? Please, Jesus, get her off her tush and into the kitchen with me. That's exactly what she's doing. And Jesus, startled mid-sentence, looks into the agitated face of the hostess with the mostess. And Jesus speaks. Verse 41, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, You are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Martha, Martha, I tell you what, I love God for His little peculiarities of character and personality. Because God gives big signals. And one of the signals He'll give when He interacts with human beings in Holy Scripture is that He will repeat your name twice when He feels especially close and tender towards you. Abraham! Abraham! Whoa! Stop! I now know that you love me, willing to sacrifice your son. Moses! Moses! Take off your shoes. We're about to talk face to face. Simon! 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 I have prayed for you, and when you are converted, strengthen your brothers. Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset. If he calls your name twice, 
take it as a compliment, and listen up. Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Would you write it down, please? The shining proof that what matters even more to God than personal initiative. And by the way, in a religious community like that, like this rather, that is what is so hugely noted. Personal initiative. But here is a solitary story to remind us that what matters to God more than personal initiative for Him is personal intimacy with Him. Would you write that down, please? Martha, Martha, you were worried and distracted over much. Your sister Mary has chosen what is better. And it will not be taken away from her. Scholars believe that Jesus purposely chooses a culinary word to speak the language of Martha's heart because the better part actually means the best dish on the table. And what he's just said to Martha is, guess what? Your little sis has the best dish of all. Best dish. And what was it that Mary chose? Look at verse 39 again. And Martha had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what He said. I tell you what, I wish you'd, I wish you'd brood over that line with me just for a moment. She sat at Jesus' feet listening to what He says. She sits and listens. You know what, ladies and gentlemen? That is a classic definition of spiritual intimacy. You say, hey, listen, I want intimacy with God. I want a closeness with God that is like my very best friend. You got it right there. You want an intimacy with God? It's not that hard. You sit at Jesus' feet and you listen to everything He whispers to you. Everything. Just make sure you sit at Jesus' feet. You know, I think I got this part down, but I always do it backwards. I sit at Jesus' feet and I make sure He listens to everything I have to say. That's what I do all the time. Glad to be with you, Lord. I'm sitting at your feet now. Now listen up. I got something you need to know. I need some help. There's nothing wrong talking to Jesus, of course. But we got it backwards. Mary knows. Mary sat there in rapt attention as Jesus told stories about God who is not somebody to be afraid of, but somebody to be a friend of. She just hung on to that. Wow, is God really like that? Yes, He is. And let me tell you what else. Let me, let me tell you this, Mary. Once upon a time, there was a father who had two boys. Is God really like that when you run away from home and you're a prodigal and you smear your life up and you come back brokenhearted? Will God really take you just like you are and not ask any questions and take you back into the family? Is He really like that? Mary, He's Just like that. I'm telling you. Let me tell you another story. She sits at Jesus' feet with rapt attention. Because that's what prayer is all about. You sit at His feet and you listen to what He has to say. Oh, wow. I'm telling you, jot it down. The truth about Relationship 101. The only possession that you can take with you. I tell you what, an earthquake will destroy everything else you have. And there's going to be a massive earthquake at the end of time. If I read Revelation chapter 16 correctly, there will be a massive off-the-charts magnitude earthquake at the end of time. You will be taking nothing with you. All that you've accumulated, gone. All that you've accomplished, gone. The only thing you will take with you, jot it down, the only possession that you can take with you is your friendship with God. That's it. That's it. That's all you have in the end. So here's the question. How's your friendship with God these days? If God were standing right here and I said, Hey, God, tell me about His friendship. 
Tell me about his friendship with you. What would God tell me about your priority with him? Hey, God, what's his friendship like? Hey, God, what's her friendship like with you? I know God would say to me, as, he said, as Jesus said to Peter, that's none of your business. I understand that, but you got the point. If God answered the question, what's her, what's her friendship with you like? What would God say right now? Bill Eliff wrote a piece in the latest Revive magazine. It's a journal that's put out by our friends in Life Action Ministries right down here in Niles. It's a wonderful journal. And I read it the other day and I said, oh, wow. Listen to this. He identifies four symptoms of the Martha that's in us. You see the problem with this Mary Martha story? Here's how we, here's how we normally read the story. Okay, look, I can tell you're a Martha and I'm a Mary. Or, no, you're a Mary and I'm a Martha. That's the way we do it. We just go, I'm, I'm, I'm all of this or the other. That's not true. The fact of the matter is, guys, there's a little bit of Martha in you and there's a little bit of Martha in me. There's a little bit of Mary in you. There's a little bit of Mary in me. How do I know about the Martha in me? Bill Eliff gives these four symptoms. Jot these down, will you? I think these are great. Number, four symptoms of the Martha in you. Number one, you are distracted. That's when you know that the Martha is ruling over the Mary in you. You are distracted. What verse 40 read? Verse 39 read, But Martha was distracted by all the preparations. Would you jot this down? How easy it is for the tyranny of the urgent to distract us from the necessity of the good. Huh? Always flitting around, flitting around, flitting around. Hey, Pastor, I love that thing on Prayer 101 you did last week, but let me just tell you something, buddy. You don't have my academic load this semester. I have no time to do it. You said 20 minutes a day, but hey, I can't even do 20 minutes. I'm awfully sorry. Hey, listen, preacher, I love your career, but you ought to have my career. You think I have time early in the morning? You think I have time late at night? I don't have that time. I'm busy. Hurry, hurry, hurry. It's the death of prayer and the death of intimacy. Hey, get this, guys. Apparently, isn't this something? Apparently, you can invite Jesus into your life just like Martha, but be too distracted to have any meaningful interaction with Him. He's in my, he's in my heart. I just don't have time for Him. I, I can't talk to Him right now. I'm too busy. Busy, busy, busy. Would you jot this down? I'm going to put it on the screen long enough for you to write it down because it's not in your study guide. But this is classic. Ian Thomas. So there's the, put the name down, Ian Thomas. And I'll hold it up on the screen for you. Ian Thomas wrote, Beware the barrenness of a busy life. Oh, that's good. Beware the barrenness of a busy life. Ah, busy, busy, busy. Guess what? You may be busy. And you may even be productive. But I'll tell you what you are not. You are not fruitful. Your secretary at the office may think you're the busiest guy on this campus. But I'm telling you what, my friend, if you're too busy to have this time alone with Jesus, you may be productive, but your life isn't fruitful. You're not making a difference. You walk out of a room. Nobody says, my, my life has been impacted spiritually by this guy. You can throw your weight around. You can influence who you wish. But you're not fruitful. Beware the barrenness of a busy life. The four symptoms of the Martha in us all. Symptom number one, you are distracted. Symptom number two, you are worried. Jot that down. You are worried. Martha, Martha, you are worried, Jesus said. You are worried. What's worried? Right? Write it down. Worry is a fear for the future and thrives when we lose touch with the love of Christ, which casts out all fear. The only time my stomach is knotted in anxiety, I'll tell you what it is. It's because I have forgotten I have forgotten that Jesus is with me. I mean, Jesus is the one who says, come to me and I'll give you rest. I'm going to help you through this. Learn of me. Take my yoke. I'll take care of you. 
I forget totally. And that's when I get, that's when my stomach twists up like a knot and I'm worried about something I can't control. It's still ahead of me. Worry is fear for the future. When I'm worried, it's proof I'm away from the feet of Jesus. That's a symptom of the Martha in me. Number one, you were distracted. Number two, you were worried. Number three, jot it down. You are upset. You are upset. Oh, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset. The master physician diagnoses her symptoms. Hey, listen, what's the root behind our getting upset and angry over something or someone? I'll tell you what it is. When am I angry at somebody? When somebody violates my personal rights. You don't understand. But I live around here on this campus. Who said you could who, who said you could borrow that? Who gave you the right to cut me off in traffic? When I get angry, when I get upset, it's over my wounded pride and ego. That's all it is. You know what you know when I get angry and upset, you know what it's a sign of? Boy, that boy has not been at the feet of Jesus. It did stick today. Because when I'm, at the feet, when I'm at the feet of Jesus, what does Jesus say? I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Don't worry, boy. I'm always there with you. I'll take care of you. Number one, you are distracted. Number two, you are worried. Number three, you are upset. Number four, you are whining. <laughs> you are whining. I can't believe you are allowing this to happen to me, God, after all I have done for you. That's what it is. Would you jot it down? Personal pity parties are symptomatic of the loss of gratitude and humility that only come through prolonged time at the feet of Jesus. You only get gratitude and humility from, the, from sitting at the feet of Jesus. Come to me, for I am gentle and lowly. And I'm, I'm humble in heart. Hey, I'll give you my humility. You'll be okay. Come to me. You won't whine. Come to me. Ah, ladies and gentlemen, there it is. The little bit of Martha in, in all of us, isn't it? A little bit of Martha in us all. So here's the question then. Okay. Okay, Dwight, how can I grow the Mary that is within me? I want to end with these. Seven suggestions for the Mary in you and in me. Thank you, Bill. Elif, here they go. Number one, you want to grow the Mary in you? Number one, value relationships. Value relationship. What What does it say of Mary? She sat at the Lord's feet listening to what He said. Recognize the importance of intimacy with Jesus every day. What's intimacy, Dwight? Sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to what He says. Isn't it something that only girls do? I know when I use the word intimacy, we all think girls. Guys do intimacy. Don't they? Of course. Value relationship. Mary sat at the feet of the Lord. Listen to everything He said. Number two, practice continuous communion. Oh, I like that one. Practice continuous communion. See the entire day as a running conversation with Jesus. Now, I have a lot in my life that is out of whack and not working, but I want to tell you something, and I'm not boasting here, but the Holy Spirit has been working on this area of my life, and I, and I think it's because I'm a person that's used to talking to himself out loud when nobody's around. So it's a little bit easier for me to do. But I found out, guys, I found out that you really can carry on a running conversation. So the Claudio, you're getting ready to step before that orchestra. You're having rehearsal. And you're walk, getting ready to walk in the room and you're saying, Oh, Jesus, I'm going to, the, all, all the students will be there. Just, just give us a good day today. 
You're walking into a board meeting. Give me a good day today. You're about to sit down with another human being and you know what's up on that agenda. God, give me, give me the wisdom to respond. Just keep a conversation going while you're talking. Talk with Jesus. While you're driving, talk with Jesus. While you're playing, while you're working, while you're resting. Talk with Jesus. Keep a running conversation going. You want intimacy with Jesus? You gotta hang around Him. That's how you get intimacy. You never get intimacy with somebody that you don't know. You only get intimacy with somebody you have time with. Number one, value relationship. Number two, practice continuous communion. Number three, invite His presence. Invite His presence. Come with me, Jesus. Come on, let's go to this one. Come with me, Jesus. Invite His presence. Every conversation, every meeting, invite His presence. Number four, important. Number four, clear your conscience. Clear your conscience. Quickly deal with everything that is quenching or grieving the Holy Spirit in you. In other words, don't continue to do what your conscience is forbidding you to do. Mary had to come back seven times to Jesus. Seven times because her conscience kept saying, Mary, this isn't the way. This is not the way. Seven times. And finally he got through. Don't feel bad if Jesus doesn't get through the first time. It's not weakness on his part. It's, the, it's a sign of the depth of need on your part. Don't quit. Satan would love to have had Mary have, love to have had Mary quit after three times. I give up. Jesus obviously doesn't have the power and strength to deliver me. But she kept coming back. You've got to keep going back to the feet of Jesus every morning. Whether you're doing fine or not, you sit at those feet and you say, Talk to me, Jesus. Talk to me. Let me hear what you have to say. I need you to set me free. Some of you have been battling majorly in your life. God knows where that battle is. Do you know what He's going to do? What He's doing right now, He's calling you with two names. He's repeating your name. He's calling your name. And He's repeating and He's saying, Hey, 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 come to Me. And I'll give you rest. Don't be defeated or discouraged if it means coming back tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. Mary kept coming back and she found the victory through Jesus. And you can too. Wow. By the way, let me before I hasten out of here. So you got a little red light going in your conscience right now? Come on, sitting behind me, sitting in front of me. You got a little red light blinking in your conscience right now? Do not, do not ignore that red light or at the peril of your soul, forget it's there. You can't forget it's there. It's speaking to you. Don't ignore that red light. That red light is for the sake of your salvation. Whatever that red light is telling you to do, do it. He'll give you the strength. All right, number five, set daily appointments. Oh, I like that one. Set daily appointments. Be specific about a daily time for a new way to pray. You know what we shared last week, Prayer 101? This is a classic definition of Prayer 101. She sits at the feet of Jesus listening to everything He says. That's Prayer 101. If you didn't get last week, I'm telling you the truth, it's the most practical how-to teaching we have had in a long time here. And if you weren't here last week, go to our website. In fact, let me put it on the screen for you. Go to our website, pmchurch.tv. You're looking for this series, Primer for the Next Generation. And by the way, this works for whether you're 80 or 18. Prayer 101, that's the one you click on to. Ask for, download the podcast, get the study guide, fill it all in. The answers are at the bottom of the study guide. You must get this how-to. It's how to set an appointment. Your life will never be the same again. Let me, let me just read to you an email I got this week. All right, enough of you talking, Dwight. We want to hear this from somebody else, okay? Here we go. This week, dear pastor, I am so happy you are introducing in Pioneer 
the plan I heard you present at the New Perceptions Seminar in South Bend Century Center in the fall of 2007. So we invited all our television viewers, hey, come on, come on to the Century Center, beautiful little amphitheater. I want to share with you a new way to pray. So this individual was there. I shared what I shared with you last Sabbath. I shared with this individual and the others who were there. I fo- I, listen to this. I have followed it faithfully every day since and have learned so many new things from the stories of Jesus. Look, I've heard and read these stories all my life. But all through the years, study has been a mere scanning of the chapters because I thought, I already, hey, I already know this story. Slowly, like you said, slowly is definitely better. Remember what we shared last week? Only one story a day. Just one story. Twenty minutes is all you're going to take for this new way to pray. Just one story. You're right. Slowly, slower is definitely better. It, hey, listen to this. It has become now my favorite time of day. Am I telling you that? No. Somebody has tried, tasted and seen. It has become my favorite time of day. It's, it's a little like Jesus visiting me personally. No one else is studying precisely that section of the Bible at that moment. Just the two of us sharing a very personal moment. Those who study this way will be truly blessed. May God continue to bless you. Well, bless you, my friend. Prayer 101. You don't have to take it from me. Take it from, take it from someone who was here last week. Take it. Try it. I, I just can't over-invite you. Just do it. Download the podcast. Find out how you can bring a new way to pray to your life and you can sit at the feet of Jesus every single day. 20 minutes. Don't tell me you don't have 20 minutes. All right, finally, that was number five. Uh, number six, embrace spontaneous conversations. All right, this is a key point. Thank you, Aleph. Embrace spontaneous conversations. If you wake up at an odd hour. Now, I said to the first service congregation, all of you know what that's like. Those of you that are young don't know what that's like yet. You will. When you wake up at an odd hour, oh man, I'm awake. I I can't go back to sleep. Oh man, and I need my sleep, especially for tomorrow. When you wake up at an odd hour, take that as a call from Jesus. Hey, I was kind of hoping you'd wake up. Can we have... Can we have some time, just you and me, in the dark? Your wife is sleeping. Your roommate is snoring. You and me, together. Talk. Take those moments as gifts. Spontaneous. Spontaneous conversations. Middle of the day, a person comes to mind. A thought triggers a train of thinking. Oh, Jesus is saying, hey, you want to talk about this? Let's talk. Hey, hey, everybody else. Oh, stop the phones. Let's talk, you and me, about this. Isn't this something? Talk with Him. And finally, number seven, cultivate true devotion. I like that. Approach devotional times as a conversation with Jesus, not a duty. If you'll try a new way to pray, download Prayer 101. Download Prayer 101. If you will try a new way to pray, you will discover it won't be a duty. You will learn. You will find a conversation that will shift the paradigm forever and ever in your life. Look at this. Desire of Ages, that classic on the life of Jesus. One thing that Martha needed was a calm, devotional spirit. Isn't that good? I mean, she's a great lady. 
But one thing she needed was a calm devotional spirit. Jesus would teach His children to seize every opportunity of gaining that knowledge which will make them wise unto salvation. The cause of Christ needs careful, energetic workers. There is a wide field for the Marthas. There's no condemnation of Martha in this story. There's a wide field for the Marthas with their zeal and active religious work. But let them first sit with Mary at the feet of Jesus. Then, oh, I love this. Then the life will be an unconquerable power for good. Write that down unconquerable power for good. Boy, I want a life that is an unconquerable power for good. Don't you? Oh, please. Why not? Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken from her. You know why? Because if just like Mary, you sit at the feet of Jesus, guess where it's going to take you? Guess where it will take you? Do you know where it took Mary? She sat at the feet of Jesus. Guess where it took her? It took her to Calvary. She is one. Count them on three fingers. She is one of three people we know by name standing at the foot of the cross. She is now at the feet of Jesus again because when you're at the feet of Jesus every morning, He'll get you to Calvary. Trust me. He'll get you to the cross where your deliverance is promised, your forgiveness is assured, and your peace is secure. He'll get you to the cross all the time. He got Mary there. She was still at His feet. And by the way, if He gets you to the cross, He will get you to His tomb. And you'll discover that the tomb is empty. And then will come the message to you, that's what I'm going to give to you. When you die, I'm going to give you an empty tomb one day. Stay at My feet. Stay at My feet. I tell you what, it's true, isn't it? Those stand tallest in life. Jot this down. Those stand tallest in life who sit longest each day at the feet of Jesus. You want to stand tall on this campus and be a leader? You want to stand tall in the industry where you're headed and be a leader? You want to stand tall in your marriage? You want to stand tall in your circle of friends? Then then sit low at the feet of Jesus. They stand tallest who sit longest at the feet of Jesus. That's it. It's not your academic paper on a wall. I'm happy you're getting that piece of paper. That won't save you. That'll make you good, but that won't save you. What will save you is every day at the feet of Jesus. Every day at the feet of Jesus. So here's my proposal. What do you say we switch from Andrews University and enroll in the College of Mary and sit at the feet of Jesus every day? huh? Let me tell you a story. See Austin Miles was a photographer. So one Sunday, he's in his darkroom. I grew up with a dad who was a photographer. And he used to take me in. And I'd be there with my dad. And I'm telling you, that was in the old-fashioned days when you could smell the chemicals and you'd watch the magic as that white piece of paper suddenly began to, began to develop black and white image on it. And there'd be a little red light in there. One day, and on Sunday evening, C. Austin Miles was in his darkroom developing pictures when his mind got to wandering and he got to thinking about his favorite chapter in the Bible, John 20, where Mary and Jesus meet beside the tomb. Woman, who are you looking for? Oh, sir, thinking him to be the gardener. Oh, sir, if you just tell me where you've laid him, I will take his body. Mary, Mary. He was thinking. And it was just like the, the red glow on that wall just kind of morphed into this picture of John 20. 
And while he was meditating on that picture, words began to come to his mind. And he kept his old pump organ in the dark room. And so he went over and turned the lights on and began to scribble the words down and compose the music to become that beloved gospel hymn that is the hymn of Mary at the feet of Jesus. And he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I am his own. I want to sing that with you because we're singing about Mary and the invitation to sit at the feet of Jesus. So I want you to stand with me. It's hymn 487. We'll put the words on the screen so you don't even have to open the hymnal. Just look at the words on the screen and Jesus there in the background calling you, calling you and me to walk with Him and talk with Him every day as we sit at His feet.
oh God, believing it true that You will walk with us and talk with us. We humbly pray, enroll us in the school of Mary at the feet of Jesus right now. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.